Father, I pray. I just pray for such an outpouring of your spirit, Father. Yes. I pray to break break the bondage, Lord. Just break yes. the bondage. Open the eyes of our understanding. Give us wisdom. Give us strategy. And Lord, I pray that you break the victim spirit. That your church, your church is dormant, Lord. Your church is confused. Your church is complacent. And I pray, Father, like my sister prayed, no more lukewarm, Lord. That you would no. set us fire. You would help us to advocate. That you would help, help, help us to defend our beliefs with a passion, Lord. Whether it's in the workplace, in our communities, Lord. I pray that perfect love cast out of fears, Lord. And it's time to rise up. Rise up, Lord, and intercede and worship you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for our homes. Our homes, Lord, for the lost children. Lord, for the people in our families that are so lost. And I pray, Father, that we would just not be fearful to stand up for your truth because it's enough, Lord. <laughs> Cry out to you, Allah. And Lord, thank you for teaching me that when we feel hopeless, it's not hopeless, it's helplessness. And it's in that place of helplessness that we cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. And we come to you with expectation that you are going to move. Not by my book, not by anything, but by your spirit, Lord. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. So yes, Lord, release the conviction of your Holy Spirit all across the world, especially here in America, where we're crying out in a very real way. Release the conviction of the Holy Spirit, conviction of righteousness, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. For righteousness to prevail in the hearts of many, and for people to turn and take thought, and action according to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for allowing us to, to do that at the top. We're going to have another time of, of prayer um, at the end. Uh, but right now, I'd like to uh, welcome Audrey McIntyre. She is going to share on the tabernacle of the Lord today. Very much looking forward to hear what she's got on her heart. So uh, take it away, Audrey. Hi, everybody. <laughs> you know, um, we I run a house of prayer here in Hartford, Connecticut, and the Lord had laid this on our hearts. And anyway, we've been studying the tabernacle here. And, you know, once there's some things that we had discovered, and I'm not going to go into the details about what, you know, what each of the um, positions mean. I'm just going to share from a, from an intercessor's um perspective of what the tabernacle is. So after the creation of man, the Lord created the greatest social order that was ever created. And that is the family. When a man and a woman marry, they build a house, they build a family. And when the Lord calls his family, his people together, he calls for his house to be built. So together that they can be a family with the Lord. Of course, after the fall, the Lord created a house for his family because there was no garden. The Lord gave the blueprint for his servant Moses. This house is the tabernacle or the temple. 
The picture and types of the and shadows of the tabernacle are portrayed throughout scripture. We know the Garden of Eden was a form of tabernacle. That's where they met with the Lord until the fall. Noah's Ark was also a form of a tabernacle. Abraham's tent. And of course, Moses' tabernacle, Solomon's temple, and the throne room of God in Ezekiel, Daniel, and Revelation, that all points to the tabernacle or to the temple or to the throne room of God. The picture of the tabernacle is a blueprint for the entire Bible. The tabernacle is a place of protection for God's people. The tabernacle does not remove us from the world, but promises a, temp a temporary protection such as uh, Noah's Ark. So what is the tabernacle? And as we look at this and as we examine this, especially from our perspective, we see that this is the original house of prayer. There is only this is the only biblical desi design for the public gatherings of prayer and worship described in the Bible. There is no other order or service that was given directly by God except for the tabernacle order. Exodus 24 through 30 describes how a man, when he had a face-to-face -face encounter with the Lord, he was given specific instructions how to approach Yahweh, the great I Am, in praise, prayer, worship, and intercession. The instructions were specific, even down to the last piece of cloth and how it was made and where each person was positioned. One of the main reasons why I felt called to study the tabernacle is because I've been called to build a house of prayer. What better house of prayer than the Lord's original design? This is God's master plan. Buried be within the tabernacle is a revelation for each one of us and how we are to live out our lives and how to approach the king and the author of the universe. The master plan is a treasure box. It's full of jewels and that are there for the digging. The master plan of salvation is there. All of the messianic promises are there. The whole tabernacle points to Elohim, God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Throughout our, through our spending time with the Lord in the tabernacle, we now have a right to become his sons and his daughters. The tabernacle is a portal to the heart of God. This is a portal the Lord had created so we can move closer and closer into the Lord's presence. This is a gateway directly to the great I am. We can use this as a door or a gateway to approach the Lord. And each altar within the tabernacle leads us closer and closer into the heart of God. We today are the tabernacle. Today, each one of us who have surrendered our lives to Yeshua as our Messiah is the tabernacle of God's presence. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, we house God's presence within ourselves. This applies to our bodies, our souls, and our spirits. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you people are God's temple and God lives within you? Isn't that mind-boggling just to meditate on that? That his spirit lives within us. He is, when we are God's people, he lives within us. 2 Corinthians 6.14b, it says, For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will, I will have...
in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Hebrews 10, 22, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. Nothing will keep us from a, at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are, un, we are clean, we are unstained, and we are presentable to God inside and out. Over the last 50 years, um, the Lord revealed this a specific prayer model to Dr. Yong Yi Cho in South Korea. And he used the tabernacle and he used each altar within the tabernacle as a, a specific prayer focus. He prayed this way all through the years and he taught it to many people. Dr. Cho attributes his great success as a pastor of the world's largest church to this specific prayer structure. In our house of prayer, we've experimented with many different prayer patterns and prayer models, including this one. And then three years ago, the Lord began to download scriptures into me, and he began to reveal more ways to use how to use this prayer model as a group, how to pray this corporately. I heard God call me to develop this prayer model and teach it and how to be used on a corporate level. We are to pray tabernacle style in this house. We are pray to pray tabernacle style and nothing else. Very simply, tabernacle prayer is a prayer model that uses each altar as a specific prayer focus. Each altar represents a different aspect in our walk, our prayer life, and especially our relationship with the Lord. It is an interior journey that we take within the Lord. And as a group, when we pray together through the tabernacle, we discover that we are drawn deeper and closer into a more intimate relationship with the great I am. All prayer is wonderful, but the difference between tabernacle prayer and other prayer forms is that we found that we are developing an increased sensitivity to the moves of God within us. As we journey through the tabernacle, we discover that we are now learning to pray his prayers, not our prayers. We are becoming sensitive to the things that prevent us from entering fully into the Lord's presence. Tabernacle prayer is a unique way of transforming us, our hearts, our minds, our motives, our hopes, our dreams, and our expectations. And we've come to discover that tabernacle prayer is God's design and not man's. Through tabernacle prayer, we don't ask the Lord to come to us. Instead, we go to him. We approach the Lord on his terms and never our own. The specific ways the altars and the courts are arranged is a blueprint or it's a roadmap into the Lord's presence according to his plan and his ways and not our own. Tabernacle is also a preparation process. At House of Good Hope, at our ministry, the Lord is calling us to use this tabernacle as a form of a prayer structure. And we begin by studying the different altars and what was done at each of these altars. We see this as a process or a journey that leads us into the heart of God. We become more intimately acquainted with the Lord in ways that we have not yet before experienced. 
Within the tabernacle, there is a progression in our journey in the heart of the Father. There, of course, there are three doors within the tabernacle. And as we go through each door, we come closer and deeper into God's presence. The first door is the gate. The second is the door to the inner chamber. And the third is the veil into the Holy of Holies. This speaks of a type of progression that moves us closer closer and closer to the Lord. There are three major levels in our walk with the Lord as we go through this. Suddenly, through this journey into the tabernacle, we see God. We have the privilege and we have the opportunity to see God. And we begin to understand God in a vastly greater sense. Tabernacle prayer, of course, is an interior journey. Praying through the tabernacle is a journey that we go through in the spirit. We don't build a literal tabernacle. We are the tabernacle, and we certainly don't have to offer up any more blood sacrifices. All of that was done through the death of Yeshua on the cross and his resurrection on the third day. When we surrender our lives to Yeshua, we learn to appropriate each of the different altars. There was salvation, there was repentance, there was cleansing, there was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there is the appropriation of the word. But after each one of these became evident in our lives, we go to altars, sometimes we go to those altars very occasionally, and sometimes only once. Because of this, I sense that we believers may be living less than how the Lord is calling us to live. I have a sense that if we learn to pray through the tab tabernacle, especially daily, there possibly may be less cold faith or backsliding. Ta tabernacle prayer is a form of is a ritual. It's a form of ritualistic prayer, and I know that within the evangelical and especially the charismatic community, which I come from, that the, the word ritual tends to be a dirty word. We believe that is something archaic or wrong with using rituals, and we try to stay away from anything that hints. Yet I find that there is something healthy and even comforting as I follow a specific set of rituals. If used correctly, correctly, rituals point us and direct us to the great I am. Rituals can be used as ropes that will bind us to the heart of God. One of the first commands given to the children of Israel was the Shema. That's Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5 which they were called, they were commanded to repeat daily, even several times a day. Hear, O Israel, Adonai our God, Adonai is one. You are to love Adonai your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your resources. Tabernacle prayer follows a specific format, a specific ritual that is written out in Exodus 19 through 30. I believe all this comes from the Lord Lord's heart and is to be still used today. I believe that for, it, for we Gentiles also, we, the wild olive branch grafted into the vine, maybe we Gentiles should also consider saying the Shema out loud, maybe even daily. Tabernacle prayer teaches us protocol. One of the greatest discoveries that we made is the simple acknowledgement of God as king. He is the creator of the universe. He is the author of our everything. 
He at many times in our prayer lives, we look for that magic formula that will give us the answers to our prayers. Yet the Lord is craving for relationship with us. He's calling for a deep, intimate fellowship. But the first thing we need to realize is that God is king. When you meet with a head of state or with a king, you must follow protocol. In our approach to the king of kings and lords, there is a protocol to follow in order to reach his throne room. Tabernacle prayer is an ongoing journey. It never ends. As we pray through the tabernacle, we're learning to become sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. This becomes a daily ongoing journey that we take, not just once or a lifetime, but daily. I believe that all of us can experience dreams and visions. All of us can see the sick healed. All of us can see the demonized delivered. Even the dead raised, we're all called to do this. All of God is available, is available to all of us. In fact, I believe we all are commanded to do this. It's not just for the special, special few or the special anointed, but we're all called to do this. But, at, but we must learn increased sensitivity to the Lord and walk in continual repentance so the Lord can do all of this through us. And I just want to take you through, I don't know how many more minutes I have, 12, 22 um, I just wanted to share, take you through briefly, take you through the uh, through different the different altars and the different prayer focuses that we we uh, we we pray through as we go through the tabernacle. Uh, the Audrey, first thing, yeah. Do you mind? Um, could we, um, however long your list is, could we? Uh, because I was going to specifically ask this question. Could you maybe take a couple of your your favorite or most prized? and not necessarily just seek to get through it and explain it and explain how you've used it, how it's deepened your experience. So that, and then if you want to share the other ones as well, that's fantastic, but maybe, um, you know, just slow down and just emphasize and explain a couple of the ones that have really become a treasure to your heart. Yes, yes. The main one is the biggest altar in the, in the, in the whole tabernacle in the temple. That is the altar of sacrifice. And that's the first thing you see when you walk in the tabernacle. And how many of us really spend time even thinking about the blood of Jesus and meditating on. I know that in generations past, I've read a lot of, you know, the classics, you know, Spurgeon and uh, Moody. And, and many of them had talked about meditating, and Andrew Murray especially, meditating on the blood of Jesus and what the blood has done for us. And the altar of sacrifice is a place of repentance, is a place of releasing, a place of, a place of consecration, that because of the blood, we, are become, we have become one with God. We've become one with the Lord. And we practice at this altar of letting go. We come to the place of realizing that we have to give up everything. In order to come into God's presence, we give ourselves to the Lord, our burdens, our thoughts, not just our sins, our hopes, our desires, our dreams, everything. We just give, we lay them. We, in fact, we, we practice by throwing this in the fire. We just let it go. If it's of God, it'll come back to us. But if it's not of God, it'll be burned in the fire. And so we, we in fact, in the House of Good Hope, we spent at least a year just at the altar of uh, sacrifice and then at the bronze laver which is cleansing and that is constant and redressing and re-identification. 
The bronze laver is a place where um, we come to the realization that we're called into the holy priesthood, the priesthood of the believer. Believers, you know, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, we are now a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a people of God for him to possess. And that's what we do is we give ourselves over to the Lord and we allow, we ask the Lord to possess us. And as he does this, he takes us higher. We, he takes us higher. No longer do we see ourselves as just sinners saved by grace or just ordinary people. He's called us into the priesthood of believer. And we start seeing and thinking God, how God sees us and how God perceives us. And because of that, we also see that we have a greater authority in the kingdom of God. And our prayers have a greater authority. Our, our prayers can move mountains. And, that, and those two altars really bring us in and bring us into the inner chamber we can, where we can have that face-to-face -face communion with the Lord. Golden lampstand is where we get filled with the spirit. We, this is a place where we just ask the Lord to fill us, to fill us. We ask the Lord to take off our own eye filters, our own, uh, and we ask, to look, we ask the Lord to see how to see the way he sees and perceiving how he perceives. All of this is a, is, is a sense of yieldedness and, le and leaning into the Lord, learning, learning to hear the Lord's voice, such as we've never heard the Lord's voice before. And all of this prepares us to go to the altar of incense, which is the intercessor's, intercessor's ministry. The altar of incense is a place of worship and intercession. And we come to the place where we realize that there's a difference between praise and there's a difference between worship and there's a difference between prayer and there's a difference between intercession. What we do in the outer court, we praise the Lord, we sing, we dance, we love the Lord, we rejoice in the Lord, and we also pray our, our prayers, we pray our prayers. But here in this place where we become sensitized, more, more sensitized with this, with the Lord, and as we become more sensitized with the Lord, we learn to intercede. We learn to, what is on your heart, Lord? What is, we learn to pray God's heart, not our own heart. And so all of this is preparing us just to come in. And we come to the realization that what the world may consider a crisis may not be a crisis to the Lord. Maybe he's working something out according to his glory. But it's just learning that the place of yieldedness, the place of giving over, the place of surrendering our lives to the Lord and to see ourselves as part of the, pre the royal priesthood of serving him in a higher level with a greater degree of authority. Um, so um, I don't know what, um, I kind of skipped around a little bit. Um, does anybody have more questions? I know I got a text from one of my, a message from one of my friends and she said, this is a lot of information. And maybe I did go too fast and um, maybe I should open up right now. Does anybody have any questions right now about the whole perception of what tabernacle prayer is? While we wait for some additional questions really quickly, um, someone did ask if you actually have a teaching, you know, either printed or something of that nature that you could make available. Yes, um, I do. So yeah, if you have that, um, if it's uh, on a website or whatever the mm -hmm. case is, feel free to put the, the title of the website or if it's something that they should contact you for, feel mm -hmm. free to put a, the best way that they can contact you. And 
So what I'd like to do is, as you put that in, um, and yes, it is a lot of information. I'm someone who has, has taken a good deal of time to contemplate and to meditate on subjects like this. The thing that really drew me in there was when I read the book of Hebrews one time, and I saw how much understanding that the Holy Spirit had given um, the, the apostle who was writing Hebrews about the Messiah from his deep knowledge of the tabernacle and the temple service. And so that, that prompted me. And so I, to, to, to put real effort and that, that's one thing that I want to share um, is encourage people, put the time in, put the effort. Yes, it's unfamiliar because most of us are Gentiles. We didn't grow up understanding uh, either these scriptures or, or the, the temple or the tabernacle. We didn't grow up learning all those things. And so be willing to put some time in to study it. And I'm convinced that there's a reason why the writer of Hebrews stopped explaining some of these things. You know, one time I, I read there and, and he started to explain a couple of things about the structure of the temple and the tabernacle. And then he just stops. He says, we don't have time to get into this. And I, you know, my heart was like, ah, why not? <laughs> you know, I started to understand one of the reasons God does that is he wants people to have a hunger and a desire to go after it, to value yes. it, to put the time in. Yes. And so um, I see, I see fantastic. So Audrey's placed um, hartfordprayer.com. That's my website. Chat. And so maybe what we can do is, could you take um, one of the altars, give a brief explanation of what it looks like um, and how it was used, take a couple minutes on that, mm -hmm. and then can you give us an example of how you would enter into prayer using that? And I think maybe mm -hmm. actually that, that hands-on explanation and a demonstration will probably help some people. Yes. Yes, we've been doing half days of, of prayer, of tabernacle prayer at different churches around the area. And um, so, I'll, um, okay, I'll do the altar of sacrifice. So Lord, here we are. We're at the altar of sacrifice. And this is a place of letting go. This is a place of repentance, a place of releasing our burdens. This is a place of consecration. And Lord, we, we give everything to you. We, this is a place of giving up. We see the continuous fire. We see the blood that is on the altar. And we see Jesus, our sacrificial lamb. He has been slain so that we might live. We see the great price that was paid so that we now can enter in. This is a place of great redemption. Our Jesus gave us everything. He gave us his all. He gave us even his very life. And Lord, we give all to you, Lord. What right do we have to hold back anything from you? We give you our hopes, our dreams, our concerns. We give you our responsibilities, even our ministry titles, our, our positions. We no longer identify ourselves as mother, father, husband, wife, worker, doctor, office worker, nurse, or, or anything, or business owner. We identify ourselves with you, Lord. We let everything go. We throw it all in the fire. 
One time I had a vision when I was here many years ago and I saw myself carrying so many backpacks and so many suitcases and covered from head to foot with dirt. And the, all the Lord wanted me to do was to let it go. And I just real and I realized that all I had to let go was not even my sin. It was even the good works, things I was proud of. I had to let go of it all, to throw it all in the fire, to throw everything in the fire that needs to be burned up. We can't come to the Lord with our hands full. We have to come to the Lord empty. Lord, we give this, we give ourselves to you, Lord. We give ourselves completely to you, Jesus. We give ourselves to you, the vastness, the greatness of the price that you paid for each one of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that price. Thank you for that price. This is a place where we lay down even our identity. Our identity. Who are you? How do you perceive yourself? Do you see yourself as a wife or a husband or a mother or a father? Do you see yourself as the type of work you do for a living? Or do you identify yourself with your ministry gifting or your office? It's time to lay all of that down. The Lord wants to, you to see yourself as he sees you. He loves you to the very core of your being. And he loves your uniqueness, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. God's love runs right into the very core of who you are. You don't have to perform. You don't have to do anything to earn God's love. His love is always there. His love is always for us and it's never against us. So let everything go. Let it go. Let it all go. Amen. So can you, can you take a second? I think, and, and here, let's uh, pause for a moment. I think everybody um, can understand the, and, and if anybody doesn't know, the altar that Audrey was speaking of was the large structure that you come into when you come into that initial outer court. There would be this large structure elevated high, high up, and inside was a, a burning fire that was filled with hot burning coals. The fire was maintained day and night constantly. And it was the structure where when they would sacrifice um, one of the animals for like a whole burnt offering, things like that, they would throw, they would throw it in there. And it, it was such a hot fire that whoosh, it would just be consumed. Mm -hmm. And so Audrey is pulling on that imagery of the, that consuming fire, that all consuming, never ending fire that we have available in the Lord where we can come forth and bring what burden we have. We can bring all of who we are and surrender it into his hands and have it be received by God because of what, what Jesus has done. And so you can see that she was pulling on that imagery of total surrender, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. Everything, and we're doing it to exchange it for something that he desires to give us. Yes. And so can Audrey, can you choose 
another altar that has to do with something that he gives us in return of that exchange yes. and just give a brief description of it again for people who might be unfamiliar and then uh, share how you would pray through one of those. Yes. The golden lampstand is a place of infilling and soaking of the Holy Spirit. And this is a place of um, the, uh, the light of God that he illumines your way and he's and you suddenly realize that you're blind without the illumination of holy spirit who lights your way and we spend a lot of time just soaking in his presence we soak here in the golden in the uh, golden lampstand it's in the inner chamber and it's a place of intimacy it's a place where we start seeing the Lord for who he truly is. And as we do, we can see ourselves as who we truly are. This is a place to be set apart. You know, the walls inside the inner chamber, the walls of the are covered with gold. And at dawn each morning, the shofars were blown each day and the doors were open. And the gold, the, the, as the sun was going up in the mountain, and, um, and they would open the doors, they both faced east, both the outer chamber, uh, that gate, and the, uh, and the inner chamber doors. And as it came up, the sun would hit the, the inner chamber, and it would be a blaze of light and a blaze of glory throughout the city of Jerusalem. This is what he is, the light of the world. He gives you light. He gives you eyes to see. And he starts, and he re-identifies you. I know one of somebody was mentioning about humility. Yes, we have to, and that's what the altar of sacrifice is, is the laying down, and that's humility. But the Lord re-identifies you. He calls you, as, as in Second Peter, um, he calls you to be a priest and a king. And we have to come to the understanding that as the Lord gives you that title, he gives you that word, he makes you a priest and a king, that you look at things differently. You think differently. He gives you a new mind, a renewed mind. You act differently. You begin to see differently. And you dress differently. You're no longer your own. You are his. You are his priest. And this is a place of infilling. We, we're so, so many times we run when we're dry. We don't, we don't come for the filling on a daily basis. And the Lord wants us to stop and to wait, just to stop and wait. And he fills us to, for that new day, for that new time, that new season. He wants to fill your oil lamps, to fill you to overflowing. And this is a place to, for that infilling again and again and again so many of us especially who those of us in full-time ministry pulled upon and we're so busy we have to go here we have to answer that call we have to do this we have to organize that but the lord calls us just to sit to wait and he soaks us he soaks us he soaks us in that beautiful oil of his glory to see yourself being filled right now. You don't have to think about the next thing. Don't, in fact, don't think about the next thing. You left it back at the altar of sacrifice. Just soak, just be, just be in him. Just allow him to fill you up right now. Fill you, fill you, fill you.
He wants to fill you with his presence. And he is filling you with his presence. Just be filled, be filled, be filled with him. Be filled with his glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, yes. And we had one, um, one comment speaking, obviously, in the past, the Old Testament. Um, burnt sacrifices were offered in the New Testament. Jesus became the living sacrifice yeah. where he died on the cross, rose yeah. on the third day. Jesus replaced animal offerings when he became Amen. the living sacrifice. Um, of course, this is a grand truth. And I think um, whenever someone speaks ritual, it, and I think rightly so, it puts mm -hmm. some part of a heart on edge, yeah. you know, as if it's going to be a yoke. Uh, as, as, as it's going as though because ritual sometimes is used as a yoke, sometimes it does diminish um, the living exchange between the Lord and his servant through the Holy Spirit. And so but I think we should emphasize is this is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a replacement for the new covenant. We're not talking about bringing um, Judaism law, Juda Judaic law back into Christian practice. But what you can say, and this is probably the most important thing that I find in communicating with Protestants as well as Charismatics and Pentecostals, is that a rich treasure of contemplation mm -hmm. and meditation in, in history at some point was traded. It was just let to, to slip away. And if we look at, at David, probably him he had the most revelation of the new covenant reality of the messiah of mm -hmm. any prophet in the old testament and how i think this is and i'd like you to just make a quick comment and perhaps um pray a prayer along these lines for for yes. a couple moments but yeah. i think what we what we miss is that david received his understanding through faith and through entering into the tabernacle and gazing and beholding and contemplating on the commandments of God and the structure that he said to build. And through his, his vast amount of time gazing and contemplating, he received tremendous revelation about the Messiah and about the, the new covenant, about those realities. Mm -hmm. So would you take a moment and just pray um, for people to avoid first the the, the trap of thinking that this is going to bind them down somehow. And then two, to release that Holy Spirit impartation of the spirit of wisdom and revelation on this subject. Yes, One thing we have to realize is that the old covenant or the old Testament is married to the new Testament. They come together. There's no separation. And Jesus, Yeshua is the fulfillment of those blood sacrifices. Um, I still believe that you know, as we are surrendering our lives to the Lord is that part of offering up the sacrifice, the sacrifice of ourselves. So um, there is, there's a marriage, there's an, there's an interrelationship between the two, and we, and we can't divide one from the other. They come together, and they're married together. And, and sometimes, especially in our Protestant um, 
in our Protestant upbringing, and especially in our charismatic upbringing, we forget. We forget what has been done that, and what has in the fulfillment of that, and to go back and to bring those together, to bring those together. And I just see that this tabernacle prayer is a is a way of bringing, you know, part of just bringing it together. This is a journey, by the way. And we're still we've been on this journey for three years here at House of Good Hope, and and uh, and we're still making. We're at the beginning, and we're just making discoveries as we go. We haven't even begun to, to really uh, to dig deep into what God is saying to us and through us through this tabernacle format of prayer. So, Lord, I thank you and praise you for each and every person. I know that everyone that's on this call right now on this Zoom call, they're not um, casual in their faith. They're uh, men and women who are serious about you. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. They are ones that are longing for a deep and a closer relationship with you. And they are longing, just as I am longing to see changes happen in our country and in our world, oh God, what's going on? We don't like what's saying, what we see going on around us. And we want to see you change all of this. And this is why we come to you. This is why we pray. This is why we dedicated our lives in intercession and in prayer. But Lord, I pray that you would just show us, oh God, give us a greater degree of understanding of how to approach you, how to offer these prayer requests to you, and how to, uh, to partner with you, Lord. How to partner with you in, in this and through this, oh God to see your hand moving in our world, oh God, to see your hand moving and changing and bringing the great awakening, the next revival, that what we've been longing for, that awakening of souls, oh God. Show us how to partner with you, Lord. This is just one vehicle that you're using, one pattern that you're using, oh God, to bring us closer and closer to you, to learn how to, to lean our heart, our heads on your bosom, to wait and to listen for you, Lord, to hear your word and to pray your word back to you, Lord. Lord, I ask, oh God, give us an increased sensitivity to that, Lord, an increased understanding of who you are, and what you're all about and to be struck by your wonder oh god struck by your glory so many times we rush in i have rushed in i've been so guilty of this myself as i i've rushed in and i've given i presented all my requests to you and i poured out my heart to you and then i ran out not waiting to listen to what you have to say to me lord i ask oh god open our hearts teach us Teach us how to be aligned with you, Lord, to be your priest, to, pay, to be part of your royal priesthood, oh God, to present these offerings of prayer as part of the royal priesthood, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So here's a, here's a, a quick question. I, I assume, are you a Gentile? Are you a non-Jew? I am not Jewish. I did my DNA. There's not one drop of Jewish blood in me. <laughs> Nor am I. I know the answer to this question for myself. And I think we, I just want to see your smiling face say it. <laughs> As a Gentile, has your understanding and appreciation for the Messiah increased or decreased because you chose to give this subject great meditation and great attention? 
I, I all I can say is that it exploded in me. I yes, I I knew that the Jews were the God's chosen people. That Israel is still part of God's prophetic promises. But through this, I'm seeing a, to a greater level and a greater degree how important the. Israel is and our brothers and sisters and me as a wild olive branch grafted into the vine how what the great the vastness of the importance of what God is doing and as I tell my friends um, at my house of prayer God is not when he, when Jesus comes back he's not coming back to Chicago he's not going to come to Singapore he's not going to come to our, our favorite town his feet are going to touch the, the on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem he's going there so it's time to prepare for his soon the soon coming king to come our bridegroom our heavenly bridegroom to come now and to support israel and to know that god has a plan he's he has a great 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 plan for israel and he wants us to be part of it so thank you thank you that was excellent audrey thank you very much for sharing your heart and sharing this uh a subject that obviously is very hard to condense into a short period of time. It is, it is. So we definitely encourage um, people, if this has provoked you to interest, if it's provoked you to curiosity, even if it's confronted or challenged you to think about some of the Old Testament scriptures in a different way, or, or even you know, challenged you with the fact that maybe you don't have that much information stored away in your heart about some of these subjects. You know, please um, reach out, first and foremost, reach out to your Bible and ask God to give you a spirit of wisdom and understanding as you gaze upon his word and you study his word. And then second of all, and do it with the right, right perspective. You know, there's a, a, a right, it is right and correct for us to warn um, each other and warn our own hearts to stay yoked and clean as we see the new covenant, yes. to, to make sure we're filtering it through um, the man, Jesus Christ. As Hebrews yes. says, all of these things were types and shadows and the substance or the word is the body is yes. of Christ. Amen. Everything, all of these things are summed up in him yes. to whom everything belongs, everything. Yes. And so make sure when you're studying these things, study it through the lens of the cross, through grace, <laughs> through yeah. his, his completed sacrifice and, and see it not as a, I have to, but see as a, I get to. Get to, it's a privilege. Right. You know, um, and God is, when, when the Lord is coming back, the bridegroom is coming back, he's, he's coming back for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. And this is something that, you know, as we go through this process, you know, it's a daily, not a one-time thing, but a daily process of letting go and cleansing and then taking on God's, the mantle of what God has for us. It's preparing us, it's preparing us. And I don't know about you, but I have a sense that times are going to be getting not, they're going to get rougher get even more uh, more rougher and this is a time where we really must learn how to cling to the lord in a greater degree and a greater level and to know who god is and to, and to cling to him and not be shaken and not be shaken and and to prepare ourselves as his bride to prepare ourselves you know i've done a teaching done teachings on what um what um esther had gone through hadassah what she went through to be to prepare herself and there's a there's an allegory there about how you 
you have the preparation process of letting go and, and giving up all of this and allowing all of this cleansing to come in, come within you and, uh, and to get rid of the junk, to get rid of the stuff and to, and to be refined. <laughs> so yes, um, yeah, I encourage you just to continue, just to try it out and see where you go with this. <laughs> Thank you, wonderful. So everybody, um, with that encouragement, um, with that encouragement, we're going to, um, I'll, I'll open it up. I'm going to do a, a quick, just a, a, a final blessing. And then we're going to open up the last seven minutes or so to continue to pray for the return and for the other 10 days meetings. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll, I'll give you uh, all the ability to unmute. Please, um, at this time, unmute one at a time. Try to keep it down to, you know, 30 seconds or so, so we can get as many people in as possible. And then uh, at the top of the hour, we'll transition. And one thing for the next prayer set is they do have personal prayer breakout sessions available. So if that's something that you're interested in, um, stay online. Someone from the next prayer hour will give instructions on how we can do that. And uh, just a, a final, a final um, reminder, I will, again, I will paste um, all of the... Uh, the website locations where you can see the recording of this, you can watch it over, you can share it, um, as well as Audrey's contact information and webpage. I just put that in there again. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Lord, in the, in the name of Jesus, we worship and thank you for the whole word of God, the whole word of God. And, and we pray right now, we open up that realm through your Holy Spirit of hunger and thirst for revelation out of your word. And I release the power of the spirit of might and the power of you, Holy Spirit. We just loose it into the airwaves right now, the, the power to give hunger and thirst and desire to understand and to see Jesus unveiled from front to back over and over and over and over so that we can thrill, exalt, and taste and see that he is good. Amen. Let's take it away to uh, return prayer. Thank you very much for joining us. I'll come down and uh, at the top of the hour and just uh, transition us. If you want to pray a reminder, just go ahead and unmute yourself. Yes. You now have the ability to do that. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Lord, we do pray uh, for the um, all of the different prayer gatherings that are going on around the world, but and especially for the return, oh God, that's going on in D.C. right now. And, and Lord, we thank you and praise you for the heightened awareness and the heightened prayer that is going on right now, Lord. And we know that the bowls in heaven, as it talks about in Revelation 4 and 5, that the bowls in heaven are being filled right now, oh God. And we're waiting for the day when we will see answers coming forth, oh God. Thank you for uh, the dedication of every intercessor. And Lord, we pray for peace 
in DC that there would be um, no um, no harm coming to the anyone who's there. Um, that um, that there would be uh, just a, a time of just a, a crying out uh, together, one voice crying out together in one accord, and crying out for our nation, crying out for the world, for our world, oh God, to see awakening, to see revival, to see your hand move here in this place, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.